0: When you're actually listening to your team members, you're empowering them and they feel trust in you because you listen. So I think one of the best ways to build relationships, especially in a leadership role, is to act on the information. The value in that too, I mean, you're building a good relationship when you do that. But also as the listener, I mean, you are learning information that you can use then to provide value to that person.
1: Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now here's your host, Matt Lyles.
2: There was a time some years back when, pretty much every Saturday afternoon, you could flip through the channels on TV and you'd eventually land on at least one channel showing the 1989 cult classic action flick, Roadhouse, with Patrick Swayze. Yeah, there's lots of memorable quotes and scenes from Roadhouse, but the one that stuck with me even to today is Patrick Swayze's speech to the Double Deuce employees to always be nice. No matter the situation, be nice. Cool speech in 1989, but great lesson today. Because when you think about the best ways to lead our people and the best ways to retain our people, one of the primary strategies should be to be nice. And I'd venture to say that most leaders might think to themselves, sure, I'm nice. Problem solved. I've got it. Not so fast, my friend. It's not as easy as just thinking you're nice and then being done with it. No, there's actually a method to it. And this week's guest actually created the method. It's called the Nice Method. And our guest is Dave Delaney. Dave's a keynote speaker, an author, a corporate trainer, and host of the Nice Podcast. And Dave's the founder and head of Future Forth, where he helps leaders of fast-growing companies retain talent, improve communication, and strengthen their culture. It turns out that Dave's an expert on how leaders can strengthen their team culture all by being nice. It does help that Dave's originally from Canada. Being nice is a legal requirement there. Oh, I just made a joke about Canadians. Sorry, Dave and I discuss lessons from his NICE method that helps leaders learn how to foster communication mastery and build a strong culture in today's complex environment the NICE way. And we also get into his improv comedy background to discuss how improv can help you grow a stronger and more engaged team. So here it is. Here's my interview with Dave Delaney. Hi, Dave. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, this is fun. You know, we're both here in the Nashville area, yet here we are talking virtually.
0: Yes, well, you know, I guess we've all gotten used to that in the days of COVID. Of course, we live in Tennessee where COVID never happened, apparently. So. (laughs) you know it
2: depends on what county or what city you're in i guess
0: (laughs) yes 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 that's true not lower broadway at least no not at all not at all the honky tonks are are protected from the uh the wrath of the pandemic but how you doing
2: I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm doing pretty nice. (laughs) Nice. Excellent. I like to hear that. Well, so you have had a pretty fun, cool background, a cool career. Mm. But lately, today, much of your lessons have been focused around being nice. So I'm curious, what drove you to lean in? What drove you to double down on nice?
0: Well, yes. So I'm Canadian, first of all, as you know. So I try to instill my uh, nice upbringing, my DNA or whatever you want to call it. But no, I was doing some soul searching and and chatting with some friends who are much smarter than I am, thank God. And um, this is several years ago. And they said, Dave, you're like, nice. You're always the nice guy. Why don't you just play up on being the nice guy and helping other people get nicer in in the way they treat themselves and others and folks at work. And so my business, future forth in the business, I developed something called the NICE Method to help fast-growing technology companies improve how they retain talent and communicate with one another and onboard and stuff like that. And that was all kind of in line with this NICE methodology. And I came up with some, I'm a keynote speaker, so I have a lot of presentations, all that fit into this Nice method framework. And then also, you know, I've got my podcast and my new book as well. So, which I'll be giving away to your listeners afterwards. That's exciting. Yeah.
2: And... I think it's really cool how sometimes it takes other people that know us, other people that are either working with us or that know us intently to help bring out, oh, you're known as the nice guy. I didn't realize that. Right. I think it was maybe, I don't know, maybe fall of 2019 where someone came up to me and said, you're the simplicity guy. That's what you should focus on. I thought, gosh, you're right. That should be my focus.
0: Yeah. It's like we have the light bulb above our heads all the time, but it's not lit. Right. It takes somebody that we know to like pull the string or flip the switch or whatever you want to say, and then there's the idea, right?
2: Yeah. Well, and you're probably not going to have those friends or those people that will be able to share that with you if you're not nice to them.
0: Yeah, right. It goes around. So, yeah, it works both
2: ways. Well, and so one of the things that you've done with your focus on NICE is helping companies with their communications, helping them with their employee retention. And I think traditionally, employee retention seems something that most companies kind of sort of focused on. But now with, you know, experiencing the great resignation, employers are being forced to rethink their approach to employee retention. So what do you see happening? Why do you think so many employees are currently leaving their jobs to go elsewhere?
0: Well, I think it's partly. Well, first of all, uh, SHRM, the Society for Human Resources Management, had a great study, and they determined that it costs between six to nine months the salary to replace that person when they leave. Whether it's yeah. voluntary turnover, which means they quit, <laughs> or I, I love voluntary turnover, but not that I love it when they quit. I just love the term. But when they quit or leave, so. That study came out. And just to put that in perspective, like it costs between thirty to 45000 to replace a $60,000 employee. And so you can figure out, I actually built a calculator on my site at futureforth.com yeah. where you can actually enter the salary and it will spit out approximately how much it will cost. So I think the reason why people are leaving companies during the sort of great resignation, as the kids say is the pandemic has obviously played a huge role in this. And people have had a taste for working from home. Um, Now, some businesses are trying to get folks back into the office with good reason. And a lot of people don't want to do that. So I think that's been part of it. And I believe now moving into the future, you know, I really believe the future is hybrid. Not every business, but for the most part, because if employees don't know one another, they've never met in person and they don't get to know one another and they don't build relationships with one another, then, you know, there's far greater reason to leave when somebody offers you a higher paycheck or different benefits or something like that. You're way more likely to quit because you don't have any affinity to the brand you're working for. You could be doing the same thing for company X as you are for company Y. So, but if you have friends at company X and studies have shown you're far less likely to quit, you know, those relationships in place. And so that's why I get hired to do workshops for retreats and guest speaking and things like that to help get teams together and get leadership listening.
2: And I don't think enough experts or thought leaders are talking about the value of those relationships, because it's true. If you're not engaged with your leadership, if you're not engaged with your culture, if you're not engaged with your peers, then it makes it a lot easier to be able to
0: leave. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, when you have no friends at work, I mean, when you have no good relationships at work, it's, and I'm not saying everybody has to be best friends, Uh, you know, I, I, I'm realistic that way. But we do, you know, when you there's so much like value in building great relationships with the people you work with because people do leave naturally, especially these days compared right. to decades ago. People do eventually leave. But if you leave on good terms and you build a new business yourself and you become an entrepreneur, you might end up working together again in some capacity. And so it's so important about not burning bridges and keeping these relationships alive. And so But yeah, ultimately, you know, by empowering your team members and giving them ways that they can get to know each other better, you know, that's the simple way to do things and it pays off in spades.
2: It really does. And just being able to focus on building those relationships versus focusing on those day-to-day transactions.
0: 100%.
2: Yeah. And I'd venture to say that I think most leaders, you know, might think to themselves, okay, Sure. I'm nice. Problem solved. I've got it. A lot of people want to think that they're nice, but your nice method goes a little bit deeper and shows people exactly what it means to be nice to their team members, nice to their peers, nice to their customers. So can you walk me through your nice method?
0: Yeah, so well, the framework's on the website as well, so you can dig into that. But there's really three key tiers of the NICE method. The first is to hear your team, and that means active listening, like interacting. It means accepting opportunities and ideas from one another. So, actually listening to your team and hearing your team is the, the first step or tier, I guess. And the second tier is avoiding the wrecks, and that means Avoiding the wrecks of poor communication that happens that causes problems at work. Also eliminating fear at work of management, fear of your leadership team, because if people are fearful of your leaders, then they're not going to speak to them, right? We see this with the terrible uh, war in Ukraine, how Putin's underlings were afraid of him to report and talk to him. And so maybe had he known The inadequacies of his military, he wouldn't have invaded Ukraine in the first place, hopefully, but not hopefully. I mean, it is. And uh, but that's just an example, though, of how if your team members are fearful of you, they're not going to share information, important information that you need to know. Right. And then the final point here is, or tier is life outside the walls. And that gets into building relationships with your team members and thinking about things outside of work, whether it's physically outside of the workplace. And that could involve like sending your team members to a conference together or to a trade show, or maybe, and I built great relationships with my colleagues doing things like that, but also... Life outside the walls can include things like creating a book club, things like that. You know, I use examples in um, the NICE method. I have a a presentation I do called the ROI of NICE. And um, that's available also on Futureforth uh, as a webcast. But you can watch it. And I talk about examples here. And one of them is a local company here in Nashville, actually that do a school like back to school program. And most cities offer this. There's nonprofits in just about every city that offer a school backpack program where you as the company pay for the pens and papers and all the things that kids need. And then these backpacks are distributed by your team to needy kids. And it's just a great program, but it's also you're giving back and that feels good too, but you're also doing something outside of work and you're bringing your team together at the same time so that they can build relationships with one another. So that's just like one example that I include in that, in that content.
2: Cool. Well, talk to me more about uh, hearing your team and you talked about Mm. active listening. Mm. So what can we do to become better listeners?
0: Well, the first thing is to focus on an anagram. The word listen is actually an anagram for silent. When I deliver presentations, I always love to see people. Yeah. Cause some people (laughs) are like, There's always like a few that are like, oh yeah, I already knew that. But most people are like, wait, what? And I have a little animation I include in that presentation where the letters kind of... Yeah. So the word silent is right in the word listen, which is a great indication that you should probably shut up a little bit more. Not you, but and maybe I should shut up a little more, too. But the point here is that when you're speaking with somebody like to, to focus on them and to try to let them do the bulk of the talking and to do that, you know, active listening means to actually listen to them, to look them in the eyes to listen to what they're saying and then to ask follow-up questions and asking open-ended follow-up questions is a better way to do that too. There's an amazing uh, result of this too because, and we've all been there, right? You know, have you ever like gone to a conference and you meet somebody that you really like and you're like, oh man, that lady, she was like, she was great. I really, like when you're thinking about it later, you're like gosh, that, that woman I met was so great. What was her name? Oh gosh. Um, oh, what did she, where did she work? Uh, and you don't remember like anything about her, yeah. Um, except that you really enjoyed speaking with her. The reason why that happens and you don't remember anything about her is because you did the bulk of the talking, and we naturally enjoy speaking about ourselves clearly. So, but so by active listening and letting that person do the bulk of the talking, that person feels great um, because they got to share stories and, and information about themselves. So, so there's a like a psychological phenomenon there. So,
2: oh, psychological phenomenon or whatever you want to call it, when you're listening to somebody and that person knows that you're really listening to them based on you looking them in the eye, based on you asking them follow-up questions based on what they said, not on the questions that you've already got in your head. They feel valued. Right, right. That's what it is.
0: Yeah, Yeah, they feel valued. And, And the thing is, though, the value in that too, I mean, you're building a good relationship when you do that. But also as the listener, I mean, you are learning information that you can use then to provide value to that person. So in my first book, New Business Networking, right. I write a lot about that, about providing value, right? And like, you know, building the network before you need it. And in order to do that, listening and finding opportunities to serve the people in your community and the people that you meet, you know, if we meet at a conference and I ask you, you know, what, what kind of work you're in or whatever, and you say, well, actually I'm between jobs right now and I'm looking for whatever. If I'm listening And I jot down some notes on your business card after or whatever we do, I can put some feelers out to folks to say, hey, um, I just met this guy, Matt, and he's awesome. And he does branding and he would be a perfect guy that you should connect with because I know you're hiring someone. And again, making that introduction. So this all gets back into like networking nicely and providing great value.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, so talk to me about... Being able to actively listen to your team members and how that can shape the culture that you build.
0: Yeah. Well, when you actively listen, so when you're actually listening to your team members, you're empowering them and they feel trust in you because you listen and you act on the information. Mm. We've all been frustrated at work. We've all had those bosses or somebody that feedback, we share a recommendation, whatever it is, and nothing gets done with it, right? So, and you don't see any results or you don't hear of anything again from that. Um, And that's really unsatisfying. So I think one of the best ways to build relationships especially in a leadership role is to act on the information. Now that doesn't mean that you're just gonna go ahead and invest millions of dollars in R and D to develop some idea that somebody has off the cuff. No, not necessarily, but you are going to at least listen. And that's where I get into using something I call nice and, right, which is based off the yes and in improv. If your your listeners and viewers are, are improv fans. That's right. So I use nice and, which is a variation of it, but it's similar in that you are accepting an opportunity, accepting an idea, and then building upon that. And it slows your mind down so that if you lead with nice and, So, for example, what's an object that you would find in an office? Anything. Laptop. Laptop. So, start every sentence with nice and, okay? Just play along with me. So, I do this with my workshops. So, hey, Matt, look, I've got this brand new uh, laptop. Nice. And? Keep going. Fill in the blank. And it looks pretty powerful pretty fast. Nice. And it's really durable, too. Nice. And I'm curious how much it costs. Nice. And it was $99.
2: Nice. And at that price, I'm curious about its actual capabilities for all that we do here.
0: Nice. And I've tested it and it works incredibly well.
2: Nice. And uh, I think I might want to test it further and see if that's something we need to offer here.
0: Yay! Round of applause for Matt. So do you see what happened there is that Because we were accepting and building upon, right? So the opposite of that is to say uh, no, or sometimes I joke that it's like a nice, but one T folks don't call HR. (laughs) So for example, if you say nice, but so, Hey Matt, look, I've got this brand new laptop.
2: Nice, but we're good with our laptops here.
0: Nice, but don't you want this one?
2: Mm, Nice, but I think we're good
0: right? Do you see yeah. what happens there? So yeah. by blo- that's called blocking when you do nice butt and improv, right? And so the point here, though, is not, again, to accept every idea you get. Um, right. Instead of just saying no right away, it slows a leader down and the team member down a little bit longer so that they can think about it for a sec. So in that scenario, they could say, or in your scenario, you could say, you know, nice. And yeah, let's test it with our team or nice. And let's talk to our CIO or CTO to see if these laptops will really work for our team members or, you know, nice. And why don't we get a hundred of them and just try them out for, you know, the first quarter or whatever it is. So you're building upon that idea, or it might be a scenario like in a meeting where if somebody gives you an idea, you could say, nice. And, Let's talk about it further after the meeting over coffee so I can understand a little bit more of what you're saying. And again, this empowers your team members. It makes them feel heard. And also, when you spend a little more time on ideas, maybe at the moment when somebody gives you that idea, if you're the leader or the decision maker, you might kill that idea right away without thinking about it. But if you slow down long enough and maybe speak a little more to that person or to your customer service manager or whoever it is, or your sales team, it might be a viable idea. This has happened a lot over the days. So not specifically with nice and necessarily, but like Sony, we know Sony, they started as a rice cooker company. They made rice cookers or or Nintendo. They started as a card game. So things happen. Companies pivot, new ideas come, but you've got to have that nice and mindset. And so that's a key part of listening to your team that I teach uh, in my workshops and, and in my keynotes. And I think there's a couple of
2: things to unpack from that. So you talked about Sony, talk about innovation, innovative cultures. Yeah. A lot of times, some of the best innovations come from building ideas off of other ideas. percent. A lot of times when someone first brings an idea to the table, the end result isn't necessarily that original idea. It's usually the ideas that were built off of the ideas that were built off of that original ask.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Did you know that in addition to my podcast and my articles, I speak to audiences all over to help them simplify their customer experience and simplify their employee experience. I've spent the last few years leading a crusade of simplicity across the globe. If you want a winning brand, you have to provide a simple experience to your customers and to your team members. Whether it's a live event or a virtual event, I'd love to partner with you and teach your audience how to do just that. With over a decade in marketing, I know how to hook and captivate an audience. And as a speaker, I know how to connect with that audience. Along with my lessons, I use stories and humor to keep everyone engaged and inspired. Then they leave with the knowledge and next steps to transform their business. As an event planner, you're managing lots of details to give your audience the most memorable event. The last thing you need is a speaker who will make your event memorable for all the wrong reasons. Not only will I leave your audience energized and inspired, I'll make it easy for your team to work with me. Hey, if I've built my brand around simplicity, then you know I'm going to make it simple for you. When you visit mattliles.com slash speaking, You'll find everything you need to know, including details on my topics, promotional materials, and most importantly, a link to connect with my team so we can book your event. So visit mattliles.com speaking. I can't wait to help your audience brand out from the crowd. And then you also talked about if a leader kills the idea. So someone comes to you, you kill the idea. I think at the same time, you just killed that team member's morale and they're not going to come back in the future with any other ideas.
0: Yes. And I share that personal story of this actually happening to me once. And yeah, it was embarrassing. It was humiliating. and, uh, And exactly to your point, I never shared another idea after that.
2: There you go. And then if you've got that low morale, if you've got those great ideas, but you know that you can't share them there, you're probably going to go elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Great example of this. Actually, I'm a big comedy fan. Uh, I trained it with uh, Second City in Toronto with improv and have performed improv over the years too. So that's why it's kind of an important thing for me. There's a wonderful, really hilarious show, if you have a sick mind like I do, of a show called, I Think You Should Leave, which is on Netflix. Oh, wow. Scott Robinson, the creator of the show, he was a writer for SNL for Saturday Night Live. Okay, and yeah. And my understanding is that he used he created this show with all these sketches that he wrote for Saturday Night Live, but they didn't get accepted for the show. So he just kind of stuffed them in an envelope somewhere or in a notebook or whatever. And all these years later, after leaving that show, loved these ideas. And so he said, you yeah, know, forget it. I'm going to create a sketch show with these ideas. And so I don't know how many of them, but I understand a fair amount of them came from his days writing for SNL. So, yeah.
2: Oh, that's fascinating. And, yeah. and just to think that those were ideas that were pitched, Lorne Michaels, whoever else said, you know, no, and the thought around, okay, not just the fact that it was no, never, that's a horrible idea. It can never be used. It's like, you know what? Not right here, not right now, but save that idea for later. That's yeah. fascinating.
0: Yeah. And I think the same happened with uh not to poo-poo on Lauren Michaels because he's fellow Canadian. Of course. So. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, the same thing happened with uh Larry David as well. I think he wasn't being selected as much as he he wanted to. And That's so, right. you know, he went off and created a little show called Seinfeld. So I've heard of that. And curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Wow. And I mean, I, I feel like we could just go off and maybe spend hours talking about. Canadian improv, Canadian comedians. Um, I love the kids in the hall. Oh, man. Have you watched the reboot, the new series? I did. I, I watched probably about two thirds of it. I've gotta say now I, understand, I think I know where you're gonna go with this. Yeah. I understand being on Amazon, there's all new rules or rather like being able to go further yeah. and uh, more inappropriate with your content. There were some things where I thought, you know what? I'm okay. I don't need to see any more of this,
0: so full frontal nudity of sixty year old men, yeah, not your jam, yeah, not and not, not the most all. physically uh, yeah, yeah, they're not they're not like David, the statue of David uh they're like yeah that was a bit of a shocker to me too i'm like i did too i mean i grew up on kids in the hall i saw them taped in the studio uh when i was a kid i've been a diehard fan but yeah that was a bit of a shocker i do remember seeing bums in the original cbc show but um yeah that was a bit of a whoa i wasn't expecting that yeah but it's still great it is still good
2: there were some laugh out loud moments. And I think that, you know, even after a number of decades, they still have it. They were able to revisit old characters, but then still bring in fresh new ideas.
0: Yeah, it was so great because they did bring back some characters who were like, not as well known back in the day as well. Yeah. Like just kind of smaller and they came back. I'm like, no way, like it's so-and-so. And so, yeah, that was pretty. And of course the crush your head guy and yeah. and all of yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and so that speaks to the value of improv and the value of being able to capture ideas and recognize, you know, in your business, some ideas may not work today or some ideas worked great a few years ago, can we bring that idea back and how would that look like today?
0: Right. Yes. Yes. It's, it's all about like keeping the ideas stored away, and making sure that you do, yeah, you do return to them from time to time because I think that's important. Like returning to, I do that where I go through some of my old blog posts. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot I wrote this. Or so, or returning to your old content and, and thinking. And I even do the same with meetings at the end of each quarter or each year. Depending on on the year, but it's a little different. But what I do, just a good tip for for your listeners here, is I go back through my calendar. Like I live and die by my calendar. If it's not uh, on my calendar, it doesn't happen. I yeah, I don't even know exist. about it. Right. So I go back through my calendar month by month, and I see. Oh, Matt and I chatted and had a great conversation on his podcast back in July. And it'll be like December. I'll be like, man, I haven't talked to Matt in a while. And we said, we we're going to catch up in person. We, I got to reach out to him. And so I do that. Like I go back through my calendar and find people that I'm like, oh, gosh, I, I have to follow up with that person. So a little different than what we're talking about, about storing ideas. And re- but, but the point is that returning to this stuff afterwards is important.
2: Yeah. And that goes back to the value of creating, developing, and continuing to manage strong relationships.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
2: And I think strong relationships are one of the things that can drive a team's culture. And I've heard you say before, the nicest leaders tend to be the ones who keep their employees and who also build strong cultures. So how can the nice method approach? How can that help build strong cultures?
0: Well, and a great example of that, another Nashville story, a former client, Arnie Mellon ran a company called CJ Advertising. And in that company, he created, this fits into the, and I actually use this as an example in the presentations and in my book, he wanted his team to read more. So he created a bookshelf at work. Okay. So, and I use this in this section about life outside the walls. I suggest that there are things in the walls that you can do as well. And he literally built a wall, a bookshelf on a wall, (laughs) and he lined it with his favorite and claimed mainly nonfiction kind of business books. Right. But he took it a step further and he created this book club where he paid his employees to read. Mm. So it wasn't just a matter of like, hey, oh, that looks good. I'll go read that book. He actually paid you based on trust, of course, like he wasn't like tracking, gave you a test afterwards, but he would pay his employees to read. And I believe he was spending like a few thousand a month at one point paying his employees to read these books. So what happens here is, first of all, that's a cool gesture to begin with. Second of all, though, he's enriching their lives by giving them great books to read. But also they are learning new skills, new things, new tactics, perhaps that they can apply back in the workplace which can then take the company to that next level. And the company was ultimately acquired. So in that whole process, you're investing in your team, you're trusting your team, and then you're reaping the rewards from that because then they take what they've learned and apply it to the workplace. So it's just a great idea. And actually that spun off into what he started something called, betterbookclub.com where he now has a virtual bookstore where companies can set up an account and actually do something similar virtually.
2: Oh, I have seen that.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so which wow. I think is it's just a really great really great idea. So, not affiliated by the way, but he's he's an awesome guy. It's so. a
2: Right. Now it's cool to me to hear that that origin story of where that came from.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and that speaks to the value of being able to invest and pour into your employees. Sometimes there's not a financial cost to do it, but sometimes like there is a financial cost and you think, wow, like what's the cost of us creating a book library? And then beyond that, actually paying our employees to read, like, should we spend money on paying our employees to read? What's the return that you're going to get from that? Right. You're growing your employees. They're becoming stronger. They're developing themselves. And not only that, they will most likely take the ideas that they're getting and pour those back into the business to improve the business.
0: Right. Yeah. So it's a win-win all around when you consider all of that. Right. And even, you know, you could do it if you do it with your team. I'm not sure if he ever did this specifically, but it would be a great idea to ask your team members, like, hey, where do you, you know, so if you're if a team member pitches an idea, like let's say it's a promotional idea, by asking them, hey, where, where did you come up with this idea? Just curious. They might say, Oh, it was from, you know, Dave Delaney's New Business Networking or <laughs> Yeah, whatever book it was. But um, and then you know, okay, and if that idea pans out and works out for you, you can actually measure the results of the investment of paying them a little bit to read the book and the price of the book.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. There's clear returns for that. So when I think of nice, to me, nice seems like it's a relative term. Mm-hmm. And I think there can be different perspectives, uh, you know, based on people's backgrounds, demographics, beliefs of yeah. what nice Actually, is. So, how can leaders accommodate for different perspectives of how you define nice?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I, and I get this a lot. So, I get the question sometimes that, like, you know, why nice and not kind? Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. But I believe that kindness is part of being nice, being kind, treating people like you want to be treated, treating people well. Yeah. And just being a good person. Uh, And not just at the office, by the way, but like with your family, with your friends, with strangers you meet at the grocery store, whatever. It's a matter of like treating people kindly and treating people well. Now, because sometimes nice can have like, not negative connotations, but borderline negative where it's like, oh, you know, someone was nice. That was nice. Yeah. But the thing is, nice doesn't necessarily mean you always have to be like a complete saint, (laughs) right? So for example... Sometimes we have to let go, you know, maybe you have to let a toxic employee go. Sometimes you maybe you've hired someone, maybe you you're cutting back and you've got to lay someone off. These things happen. They're not nice for you to have to do, but they are nice for the rest of the team. They're nice for the future of your company. And so, it's not a kind thing to have to let someone go, and it's not something anybody really wants to do, but for whatever reason it has to be done for the future of the business and that means or it might mean telling your team member you know i love the idea of of y'all going to whatever conference but unfortunately because we don't have the budget for it right now because it's a quiet quarter or whatever recession that hopefully won't come fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the point there is you know being honest and transparent But um, so that's being nice, but you really got to be nice for the future of the company. So that's why I don't I didn't use like kindness or kind necessarily, although that is a big part of being nice. I think so.
2: Yeah. And you also mentioned, you know, treating others the way they
0: want to be treated. Right. Yeah. The old golden rule. I mean, you know, that's what my mom taught me. And I've always tried to practice. And it's something that I've instilled in our kids since they were little is just repeating that all the time. And I sometimes get somebody like in an audience or something or in a Q and A after that says like I treat myself badly, so I'm just going to treat everybody else badly. And, and the answer to that is treat yourself better.
2: Yeah, that, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's not quite how it works. Or right. or even beyond that, then just treat people nicely. Right. No matter how <laughs> right. you treat yourself, treat yeah, others yeah, right. nicely.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly.
2: We've talked about this from the standpoint of employees and your culture. I'm curious if this approach also applies to your customers.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, some of the stuff that I do with Futureforth and with this nice methodology, I do position it for fast-growing technology companies. But the secret thing, and, and for more of an internal team building and leadership training exercises and things, but the truth of it is it can be applied to your customers as well. And it should be applied. And I do talk about that. I say that I, I work with fast-growing technology companies too, but if you're like a real estate company, you're probably a technology company. You're a hospitality yeah. company, you're probably a technology company, or at least you have some sort of you know, vested interest in, in some technical aspect of your business. So yeah. I do you know, work with other companies. So I, I don't know if I answered your question there, but.
2: Just validating that, yes. I mean, yes, you need to be, Hearing your customers and avoiding the wrecks with them, but then also celebrating the life outside the walls or whatever walls there are between you and your customer, celebrating them as well. And to me, I think that helps create a stronger relationship and stronger lifetime value
0: with that customer. Yeah. So for like two tech companies that I worked with, one a hardware company and one a software company. I would go to conferences all the time uh, on their behalf. I would speak at the conference or we'd sponsor and things like that. I would always organize meetups, whether it was a tweet up back in the day in the early Twitter days or a meetup in different markets at the conference with our customers. And it was awesome. People would come out. I'd buy a bunch of drinks and appetizers. And it was just a great way to get to know your customers better and build those relationships. And it wasn't like, Oh, gosh, I hope they all buy something right away. You know, I mean, yes, we all want revenue. We all want people buying things, of course. But at the end of the day, it's about building relationships with folks. And so yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a great example of doing that. Excellent. Well, Dave, last question
2: for you. If you were to create a five song soundtrack for yes. the nice method in your work, what songs would you include?
0: Yeah, so I I was thinking about this. I I wrote a note down. I was thinking of it more in the, I don't know if it fits into the nice framework specifically, but it does. That's something that'll take me more time to think about. But as far as like me kind of working through the day and kind of writing and coming up with ideas, the first song is Now by a great Canadian band called No Means No. Um, The next is Unyielding Conditioning, which is by Fishbone. Okay. Uh, the nice. third is uh, "Spill Your Lungs" by Julie Doiron, who's uh, also just a great, a great songwriter and performer. Uh, "Almost Ready" fits well, actually, with Dinosaur Jr. And yeah. then uh, "Conducting Things" by Maestro Fresh West. I just realized I have quite a Canadian contingency on this lineup, excluding, I guess, Fishbone and Dinosaur Jr. But those yeah. are a few, a few in my little playlist that uh, that get me going. So, oh, very
2: nice, but no tragically hip.
0: Oh no, I love the hip, man. I love, yeah, no, I love, I love the Tragically Hip, I actually I saw them live a few times back in the day. Did and, you? Uh, yeah, yeah, they were, they were a great band and on heavy rotation as well. I listened to them quite a lot.
2: Excellent. Love those songs. Love that playlist. All right, Dave, uh, I know you got to go. So I appreciate you spending time with me today. Um, yeah. this has been nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where can people go to learn more from you? Well, Matt, they can go to nicemethod.us or .us. I like us. Uh, nicemethod.us. That will redirect to the book page. And if they use the coupon code simple, um, that will get them the book for free. So they can wow. get that at nicemethod.us or .us. And uh, I'm Dave Delaney on all the social networks. Um, so you can find me in all the different places. Just Google Dave Delaney and you'll find me.
2: Wow, thank you. Yeah, th- thanks for offering that gift for free. Love yeah, that. no
0: worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought I'd leave you something nice, right? How nice of you. Yes. <laughs> right.
2: Dave, thanks so much for being here. I'm grateful for your time.
0: Thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure.
2: I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Dave Delaney. So go and learn more from him at nicemethod.us. And you can get a free download of his ebook, The Nice Method, for free when you use the code SIMPLE. Thanks for that gift, Dave. How nice of you. And be sure and check out Dave's podcast, The Nice Podcast. You'll hear Dave and his guests discuss lots of lessons on communication, collaboration, community, and nice leadership. Hey, and if you're enjoying the Simple Brand Podcast, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, because it's going to make it so much simpler for you to get future episodes like the next one featuring Dennis Geelan. Dennis is a customer experience and innovation speaker and consultant, and he's the best-selling author of The Zero-In Formula. Now, when you look at the most successful brands throughout history, I think you're going to find a common formula. At the foundation of that formula is an equal and integrated focus on being both customer-centric and innovative, but you can't just announce to your team, hey, we're going to be customer-centric and innovative now, and then it just magically happens. Oh, no. It takes intentionality, and it takes planning down through every layer of every team in your organization. And Dennis's Zero-In Formula is the plan to help you do just that. And that's exactly what we dive into in our discussion. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll automatically get Dennis's episode as soon as it's live. Until then... Keep it simple.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Simple Brand Podcast. Want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode? Visit our website, simplebrandpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're finding value from the Simple Brand Podcast, leave us a rating or review. That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple.